This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program is pre-recorded. Now on Talk Radio We're going to become extinct. In fact, in some cases, we're close to being extinct right now. Presented by the Law Offices of Pond, Lee Hockey, Giordano. Talk, listen, and speak to the region's most influential leaders. It's Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor. And a good evening, everyone, and welcome into a special edition of Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor as we come to you across the radio dial here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, along with J. Doc and Joe Krause uh, on a very special show, uh, J. Doc, as we follow what was turned out to be uh, a real hotbed of a story uh, down in South Philadelphia. And with that opening statement. Anthony Giordano is one of our guests who will be with us for uh, the entire show. I'll introduce everybody else on the panel uh, in just a moment. But Anthony, uh, first, let me uh, welcome you into the program. You heard coming out of the show open uh, some of the audio from the meeting uh, that was held where uh, Governor Rendell uh, was uh, put on notice by the passion of the residents here in South Philadelphia, I'll turn over the microphone to you. Yeah, it, it was a very uh, uh, encouraging uh, outcome in that meeting when we had that young lady speak up vehemently against Ed Rendell. Uh, we're not going to call him governor out of our group. Uh, our found, I'm the president and founder of Stand Up South Philly and Take Our Streets Back. Uh, we believe that they, they tried to backdoor South Philadelphia. They tried to sneak this in on us without any community input. We feel that we were betrayed. That woman spoke up for us. I'm here to speak up for the rest of us. I'm here to unite South Philadelphia, and I'm also here to unite the entire city of Philadelphia. I'm here to send a message to City Hall that we're not going to stand for this in South Philadelphia, nowhere in Philadelphia, and I'm here to unite the community, and I'm also reaching out to all members of Philadelphia, all the communities in Philadelphia, Southwest Philadelphia, Northeast, North Philadelphia, Northwest If you need me, I'll be there for you. If they try to come there, I will stop that also. We do not want this. We stand firm not wanting this anywhere in the city. Yeah, and and this is absolutely, Joe, uh, and Anthony, by the way, phenomenal job. uh, And and the community, I've never seen such passion in my life. I want to bring on the other members of the the panel. We have Brian Fritz, uh, principal partner at at Fritz Beyond Cooley, where we're we're broadcasting from, and council Councilman at Large David O, who uh, recently put uh, some legislation on the board to make it happen. Brian, uh, you're you're a uh, you know right here in South Philly. We're we're at your office, and you're an individual who's you know representing a, a part of the community. Could you tell me where you know where your input is here? Sure. Uh, thanks for having having me on, and um, uh, thanks for everybody uh, heading down, taking uh, their time to do this. Um, sure. What we've done. Is and our press release was uh, announced last week. Uh, we've looked at this from the uh, civil legal perspective as to the rights of the citizens that might be um, economically uh, impacted in a negative way. And first and foremost, what we examined was the ability of these citizens to potentially have a right uh, with regard to their constitutional rights being violated, specifically under the Fifth Amendment, where a government takes actions, in this case the city, that impacts. Um, people's interest, um, businesses or individuals, such as property values dropping 
uh, business income going away, increased cost of insurance uh, to be in these areas. And the model that everybody's looked at here is, is thrown around is this Vancouver model, where the first North American injection site um, was housed back in 2003. And with those individuals there, they had to uh, actually form business groups uh, and dedicate money to uh, private security. They had to dedicate money for uh, private sanitation companies to remove infectious waste um, in, the, in their areas. So this is what the residents and business owners have to look forward to wherever these sites are placed. And this obviously has not been taken into account by the city. Also, what we're looking at is the civil actions that are available uh, against the operators themselves, as well as the landlords that uh, decide to house it. Um, and we uh, uh, are actively pursuing these things to make sure that the residents and the business owners are protected and that their rights are um, advanced. And so let me bring in council, Councilman at Large, David O. Who, uh, uh, David, welcome to the show. All right, thank you. And uh, tell everybody about the legislation you just introduced at City Council to prevent this type of situation going on without community involvement. Right, I introduced a, uh, a bill which uh, basically, if it passes, would require that, uh, that a supervised injection site um, uh, be uh, categorized as um, a nuisance uh, medical establishment unless certain things were done. And so there's a presumption that it's a, a nuisance establishment to begin with. What it would have to do is notify the community in detail. And that means every resident business institution within a one-mile radius of uh, its plan to open six months prior to the date that it projects to operate. And then uh, it has to have a public meeting three months prior so that it can hear back from the community who has had time to digest and, and examine uh, the detailed plans and ask questions, those type of things. And if all those things are done, and it would presumably be done by the by the health department or whoever uh, the mayor uh, or the administration assigns, they would have to get 90% of the community to agree to this. And then it would be brought to city council where we could examine to make sure that everything was done properly. Any additional questions, anyone who missed public comment, hear from experts, and then we would vote on whether or not it could exist. You know, th this has so many hot button issues. Uh, Brian Fritz, you just named several uh, literally, that it could impact people's lives. Not, not only their lives, their real estate, economically across the board. Uh, Councilman O, uh, I owned a liquor establishment. I had to go to zoning. I had to go to the, in front of the ZBA. I had to get community support all across the board for alcohol. Now we're talking about heroin, right. okay? And you know, fentanyl, right? And you don't have to go in front of the ZBA. I mean, literally, if it wasn't for the community and the and the efforts of Anthony Giordano and and the surrounding community groups, um, this could have gone right under the radar. How is that possible that, that that you don't need to go to the ZBA for something like this, and 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 yet you do for a liquor license? So the way it um, developed was that while everyone was. Um, conversing and, and, and debating and arguing over really the value effectiveness of safe injection sites. Uh, it was pretty much uh, focused in Kensington. Uh, and then what happened is... We're, 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 by the way, the heart of the opioid the epidemic of the is going on. The heart of the opioid yeah. epidemic, and, and in part, I, I will say, because 
there's a policy that basically invites people from our entire region to come to that area uh, and engage in addiction and all the problems that occur with it. Uh, and so that's an example of, of what the, the outcome may be. Uh, but here, a federal judge uh, made a decision and finalized the decision that uh, safe injection sites are legal within the four corners of, of, of their operation as a medical um, prevention, overdose prevention facility. Um, and that happened on a Tuesday evening. And by Wednesday, uh, Safe House was an announcing that it was going to operate the next week right here in South Philadelphia. Anthony, uh, bringing you back into the, um, into the conversation. So the neighbor, how did this happen? In other words, the neighbors were not, this was going on right under the, right under the radar. Do you have any notice at all? And was there discussions about this location prior to this situation that just recently happened? Zero discussion, zero, uh, 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 uh. No one reached out to anyone in the community. So you found out I what, found the day before it was... It, almost the day before. There was a rumor spreading that there was a uh, mobile site going around the city down by Shardswood School uh, uh, down at 3rd and Rittner. And the people jumped up and down and went crazy. We started looking into it. Uh, and we were, we were told that was all false. This was just a, uh, something to, to, to promote fear in the community, that this was not going to happen. Uh, the mayor, touching on one of the points that uh, Councilman O said, uh, disagrees on where the epicenter is for the most overdoses in the city. He swears uh, by his research that it is in South Philadelphia, uh, which uh, we've done our own research, and that is uh, absolutely untrue. Um, uh, Governor Rendell is so set about having this happen that he is not worried about where or when this takes place. If we continue to shut sites down, he says they've raised over $250,000 to make a mobile unit that will go around the city of Philadelphia and uh, service these citizens who are suffering from this horrible addiction. Uh, in my opinion, that means that he's just going to go against anything the community says. So we need to continue to rally, just like we rallied last week, to send the message to tell him that this is not going to happen. If this is so great for the neighborhoods in Philadelphia, why doesn't he put it in his backyard? Why not? Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor, a special edition uh, on a special broadcast here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Brian Fritz, 30 seconds before we get into the uh, into the break. Let me get you just to weigh in uh, and give you that 30 seconds. Uh, Councilman O has a proposal out there or a bill to pass. Uh, you're right down here with one of your offices right in the heart of it. Do you see a positive result coming from this uh, that will never be changed. Positive result from actually having a, uh, an injection site? No, 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 from keeping the injection site out. Oh, absolutely. Um, and and it's, that's not to uh, downplay the seriousness of the ultimate problem. Um, I would like to know and see where is the same level of ambition or motivation on prevention versus treatment? All right? Not to say that treatment is not necessary, but to my, in my mind, I always thought that you wanted to prevent a problem that was better than fixing a problem. And underneath this idea, you're constantly going to have a perpetuation of people addicted. So in my mind, what should happen is an aggressive pursuit of the drug dealers. And what I mean by drug dealers is the doctors prescribing, the pharmacies filling, the pill mills. Start there. 
And then maybe, maybe you start lowering the levels of folks that wind up on this stuff. We'll get to a commercial break here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Uh, on the other side, we'll continue uh, the roundtable along with J. Doc. I'm Joe Krause on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Back in a moment. Portions of tonight's edition of Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor are being sponsored by Plumbers Local 690, Ironworkers Local 401, and SEIU Local 32BJ. Today's program has been pre-recorded. This whole nonsense about not giving workers the right to organize with so-called right to work, that's bad. Something like that comes to my desk, I'll veto it, not just because I'm a Democrat, not just because I'm pro-labor, but because I know for a fact that's not very smart. And back here on Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor along with J. Doc M. Joe Krause as we come to you on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. We've done a lot of uh, very powerful programming, J. Doc. Over the last month, we spent three live radio programs on this radio station uh, with lots of conversation about the refinery uh, and everything happening uh, with that uh, part of the uh, that part of the community. Another community issue down here. Uh, we're glad. Glad to be uh, able to bring the story, uh, and Anthony, uh, we're glad that you're able to uh, join us. Pick it up from there. First, thanks for being part of that opening segment for the listening audience. Imagine for a moment, if you will, uh, everybody listening on what is a big, big radio station, uh, they don't quite understand why you, why the organization is so upset. And with that, I'll give you the microphone. No problem. Thanks for having me again also. Uh, I just want to say that the quality of life is a major issue for a blue-collar town like South Philadelphia. And this issue with safe injection sites is going to bring the quality of life issues down in Philadelphia. I have an a, a article out of the Calgary newspaper. It's dated in 2018. Uh, quote, while drug crimes in the rest of the city were declining, the report on crime and disorder shows a 250-meter, that would be an 820-foot zone, near the sites of these safe injection sites that has become literally ground zero for drug violent and property crimes. And that's very important to hear that, property crimes, okay? People that have properties, work hard for their properties, are being criminalized in their own neighborhoods. Drug dealers flock to these areas to target addicts per the police departments out there, okay? So when that happens, the violence is up in that area 50%. While vehicle crime, vehicle crime, which is important to someone who's a blue-collar worker that's got to get up and go to work in the morning when his window is smashed, that he has to take the day off, lose a day's wages, who lives paycheck to paycheck to try to provide for his family, is a horrible thing to happen. Violence in the area is up 50%. Uh, I did say that. I apologize. Breaking and entering is up to 60%. And the number of total calls to police has jumped up to 36% to handle these crimes. So we don't need this in our neighborhoods. We need to actively engage into the rehabilitation process, okay? Because I have a friend who's actively in recovery for three years who has stated to me, he does not want his name, that if this site was open, he would not be in recovery. And and having said that, and well put, Anthony, um, uh, Brian, if you would, you talked about the devastation to the community, the, the, the civil the potential civil actions that are there. Um, when 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 you think about that, how 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 much could this actually impact the community? Like you know, you have homeowners. You, you know, it's it's a part of the whole 
a whole scenario that I never even thought of where you have, you know, house values going down. What could be the impact here? Oh, it could. Uh, the, the impact seems to be um, uh, all out devastation. Um, oh and the perfect example here is going to Vancouver. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, and, and all we have to do is, is if you spend enough time actually researching these things, Vancouver was the first site in North America in an area called uh, downtown East Side in a four block area in uh, Vancouver. When they first put it in, it was to uh, try to um, suspend or deal with an AIDS epidemic that had started up in that area uh, because of the sharing of intravenous uh, uh, needles. And when they put it in, um, the mayor had pushed for it, and I'll read a quote from him in a second. Now, when he was interviewed in 2014, they first put it in 2003. Since that time, it has, it has risen to cost the city of Vancouver $1 million a day for all the extra services they need. $350 million a year. Since its inception, it, Vancouver has spent $7 billion to deal with these things and cost. Every time I hear about schools opening in the city of Philadelphia, there's like a $250 million shortfall. I don't know where the city's getting all this money to help uh, uh, fund all the things that are to be needed in order to adequately police this, and, as well as provide fire and EMTs and everything else. But also, more critically, here's, the, uh, here's something that you may not know. Vancouver's population is 675,000. The population of Philadelphia is 1.5 million. And the metro area is even higher. So when all these folks come in, and this becomes a mecca for people from New Jersey and the suburbs and everything else, and they don't leave, how, what, is, what is the cost going to be? It certainly would be a lot more than Vancouver is spending. And on top of that, what's SEPTA's plan? That's a great point. Anybody uh, get a plan from SEPTA and how they're going to police the subway? Because because Vancouver is a moderate climate. Philadelphia's not. So when it rains and it's cold out and these folks seek refuge somewhere else, uh, how how are they policing the the, the subway channels? Are are the citizens that use that to get to work every day going to be able to? Or is it going to be a haven for crime? Now, Vancouver, over a four-week period, went in to clean up that area where they have their, uh, it's DTES, downtown Eastside, because the sanitation workers would no longer go into that area, one, because they were afraid of catching something. Sure. Two, they were afraid of getting attacked, so they had to go in with the police presence. And they started a program called SWEEP, which is an abbreviation or an acronym for what it is. During that period, they they removed 39 tons of trash and waste bed bug infested mattresses, appliances, human feces. They then uh, had to hand clean the gutters and the blood off the walls of the buildings. They collected 8,300 syringes, condoms, glass pipes. All right. Um, So these were the things, and they found that in order to do that on a regular basis, was uh, they, they couldn't sustain the cost of doing it. So it just runs rampant. Yeah, and and how to take like the quote uh, Councilman David O. Uh, Councilman O, uh, you know, you, you heard what uh, Brian Fritz just said, um, and you, you know, you've been passionate about wanting the community's input here, and you know, they didn't get the, the you know, certainly was this type of information discussed, you know, by some of the political entities that are supporting this, because quite frankly, it seems like we're we're, we're creating a criminal element in a specific in, in a family oriented neighborhood and you know uh, by the way councilman squilla also signed on to support your bill 
you know, to make sure community involvement is, is imminent in regards to situations like this. But the powers that be, those facts that have been talked about by Brian Fritz, have you heard anybody discuss them? Well, I, I'm actually pretty well versed on this topic. Um, I originally, um, the first resolution to combat the heroin opioid crisis was a, was a resolution that I did. And then I spent about uh, eight months going to community meetings throughout uh, the areas that were identified as the hardest hit areas. At the time, it was the Northeast and Roxborough. And from there, we, we uh, began to try to coordinate with um, surrounding counties about how to get through um, some of the bureaucracies and streamline things all around best practices. And then the mayor created his own opioid task force, and he invited me onto it, and I was on it. Uh, at the very last meeting, someone brought up this idea I had never heard of, safe injection sites. And uh, we had eight recommendations, and there was a, a hot debate on this. Uh, the DEA, HIDA, high-intensity drug um, uh, you know, folks were on, involved, and there was no agreement. Um, and so the compromise was to simply say that there are things called um, safe injection sites and they're worthy of further study. And that was the end of the task force. Uh, since then, the mayor's um, uh, administration has continued to talk about what the task force is doing, even though it is not meeting or doing anything. So I've asked them to really clarify. That's not the task force. The task force was given a lot of information. Now, um, I have, uh, as any good legislator should do, not... Um, just because I don't believe those are good things, I didn't approach it with a closed mind. I looked at the studies. I did other things. And I concluded after that that they are, while they do some good, they cause a lot more harm than good. And so I oppose them. However, the issue before me and before council and the city is that whatever I know or someone may disagree with me or whatever they know, we are not to dictate to this city what we think. We have to engage, educate uh, the community and let them draw their own conclusions. That's how we do things. And Anthony, how did this thing get, I mean, literally one day, uh, you know, we, we heard there was going to be a safe injection site. It was literally on the cusp of opening. The community got involved. I quite frankly have never seen such passion in my entire life. Anybody who saw those news conferences, anybody who saw, you know, uh, the, that community meeting, saw exactly what I'm talking about. How did the community create such impact that they literally shut it down in two days in a situation that looked like it was all but open? They tried to backdoor South Philadelphia, a blue-collar town. Like, we believe in Rocky. We look at Rocky as a hero, the underdog. You came in, you stuck your hand in a hornet's nest, and you shook it up. My organization has almost 10,000 people. I reached out to those 10,000 and said, this is not going to happen. What is your organization, again, if you would remind us? Uh, uh, stand up South Philly and take our streets back. We are the infants on the block. We are less than a month old at the time of our rally last week. And uh, we gathered together. I put it out to the membership. I said, we're going to rally. Who's with me? And almost unanimous, these people stood up and said, we're not going to have this in our backyard. Who's going to be responsible for these people, these uh, people suffering from this addiction when they go inside this place. And uh, I can't, this is the, uh, the craziest statement I'm going to make during this whole thing, legally shoot up 
illegal narcotics. Incredible. Okay, that that blows my mind. So uh, they go in there, they get high. They're probably bringing their children. When someone's going to get high, they want to get high. They're going to bring their children. They're going to expose children to that. And then who's responsible if they OD and die in that facility? Because the Narcan doesn't bring them back. Who's going to be responsible for them when they leave and get in their vehicles and possibly cause a fatality? Okay, because uh, the bar owners... The legal bar owners are responsible if someone's DUI and leaves and causes a fatality. So who's going to step up then and protect our community when this person who shoots poison in their veins legally when they cause some kind of fatality? Yeah, I mean, Brian Fritz mentioned, um, you talk about all that in Vancouver and, and, and all the, the, the uh, paraphernalia. I talked to a SEPTA uh, employee recently who called our injured workers line. He was uh, in a total outrage and panic because he's a mechanic. And he was, uh, you know, they were, they were doing something to a bus. Next thing you know, he gets stabbed by a needle. That's one needle. Okay. And he was in a complete and utter panic. You're talking about bringing that type of, you know, I mean, I mean, tons and tons and tons of, and you got kids in, in, in the neighborhood. I absolutely understand why people were in an uproar because this, you know, like you said, Brian, this could absolutely devastate the neighborhood from all kinds of angles. But now you got little children uh, in the area and, and, and it's creating complete and utter, ha- utter havoc. Just they, almost they had an Elwin school in that building for handicapped children, disability uh, with disabilities on autism and things like that. And they were going to bring that around these children inside a building with special needs children. That's absolutely unacceptable. Portions of tonight's edition of Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor are brought to you by Sprinkler Fitters Local 692, Iron Workers Local 405, and Steam Fitters Local 420. Today's program has been pre-recorded. We're going to try to work with Republicans in a bipartisan way to find solutions to what really is not working. Back here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, thank you for tuning in and staying with the full special. It's a special program here on Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor, along with Councilman David O, uh, who is joining us, and of course, J-Doc is with me as well. Anthony Giordano uh, is here, and Brian Fritch joining us uh, as well, and hosting us for this radio roundtable, the very important conversation that we're able to bring uh, to the Delaware Valley. Uh, Brian, on behalf of the 10,000 members of Stand Up for Philadelphia that Anthony is here uh, to represent. You've got 10,000 new clients who are looking to you uh, to be able to say, to make sense out of this. I've heard you say it. I've heard J-Doc say it many times. Change occurs in the courtroom. That's why That's why the courtroom does exist. Let me come to you now uh, as the legal expert as part of the radio panel here. Okay. Um, and that's where a lot of times you, you promote the change, and we've, we've had this discussion on, on prior shows, is unfortunately people respond or you get their attention uh, when their pocketbook is uh, on the line. And what hasn't been discussed, and we started off the show talking about, is the economic fallout that, uh, that those responsible decision makers, such as the city, as well as the operators and potentially landlords, would be responsible for. And it, we don't, we're not just pulling that out of thin air. And um, some statistics are incredibly important to review here. Uh, and we just go back. And again, the, the, the one that's been used the longest is Vancouver. And let's talk about some stats. Vancouver, homelessness, since they've uh, started the, the safe injection site up there, and they're, they're on their 17th year, 63% increase in homelessness. 
uh, it was started to help combat AIDS. AIDS infection up 20% since they started. Crime up 80% since they started. And now here, most importantly, they're talking about how it's it's good to stop or prevent overdose, overdose deaths. Well, uh, Vancouver, from 2012 to 2018, saw a spike in overdose deaths. Again, a city that's that were 57% bigger than. Uh, saw a rise from 65 in 2012 to 361 in 2018. All right, that's over 500% increase. So again, I have to step back and say, where is the good? If we're going by, if, if in terms of people that have done this and looking at human nature, um, where then, you know, maybe you save somebody's life today, but you're not stopping the problem. Does, I, I've never heard of a heroin, uh, someone addicted to heroin, whose life is saved with Narcan today, suddenly coming up saying, oh, that was a close one. I better stop doing heroin. Right. So how, do you, how do you save them tomorrow? Councilman No. Yeah, and I think um, that is an important point because uh, for many people who repeat the words that they hear, um, safe <clears throat> injection sites are proven to save lives, uh, you know, they have not actually looked at the facts. They haven't looked outside of the reports, if they even looked at the reports. And so that's part of the discussion. And while I oppose safe injection sites as being, you know, causing more harm than good, uh, still, that has to be something that is brought to the public. One of the numbers that I like to point to is you have to look at the entire group of people that are harmed. Let's start with Mexico, where, where this heroin is being uh, grown, produced. Mm-hmm. 120,000 murders right. between uh, 2006 and 2012. Murders directly related to the drug trade to feed America's huge appetite for illegal drugs. I I could not agree with that more. We're talking about uh, the the devastation of, uh, you know, know, obviously what it does to people uh, who are addicted to it. But let's, if you watch the news every night, how many people, we're we're like 60, 70 days in, we have 70 murders, one a day. We're not counting that particular part. Imagine creating more of a supply and demand in the city of Philadelphia. I mean, yeah, it's I it's it's a it's a humongous problem. Twenty seven thousand people missing. Then you're talking about prostitution, forced prostitution, uh, abuse of minors, children. Uh, then you get to the distribution. Uh, there is for every person who is addicted an entire another group of people that is affected. And again. They haven't asked the people that live in and around these areas. Anthony Giordano, your thoughts? I'd like to touch on the issue with the uh, councilman said about minors. Are we IDing these people when they come in? Are we going to ask how old they are to be doing this? Could a 16-year-old be in there? Could a 15-year-old be in there? Could this be the first time that he wants to try heroin? And he goes, well, if I go to the safe injection site, I should be safe and nothing's going to happen to me. He doesn't have the knowledge about heroin. That once you get a taste for heroin, it's going to continue to come back. I can't buy a beer still till today because some people think I look too young. <laughs> but uh, well, it happens to me all the time, by the yeah. way. So, just you know. <laughs> you know, so we can just legal. We're going to illegally purchase narcotics, walk into a safe injection site, yeah. and legally shoot up an illegal banned substance in the city and county of Philadelphia. And I cannot wrap my head around that. Yeah, I'd like to put this into context, and I'm sorry to say this, but for anybody who doesn't understand the problem, 140 
$10 a day. 14 bag a day habit. It's not unusual. 14 bags a day, $10 a bag, $140 in cash every day, seven days a week. Injection in the morning, injection in the evening, and after they come off their high, nothing but stress. Where am I going to get my money? How am I going to get my money? How am I not going to go into withdrawal? Who's going to rob me? Who's going to, who's going to take my drugs, my money? Going through this entire process, that's $51,000 a year. They have to be in and out on the streets, going back and forth. And they're in, you listen, they are jumping into cars. They're meeting strangers. They got to have a weapon with them. They never know what's going to happen to them. And when they get high, most of the time, it's not a satisfying high. Most of the time, they're just existing. They're chasing. To get, chasing. Yes, they're chasing. When they get that great high, and, you, and they are overdosing, and police or firefighters bring them back with Narcon, they are not happy. You just killed their buzz. And, and I, I try to tell people, listen, and I don't want to overstate this, but Addicted persons coming out of um, a, a near-death experience, they will say, you know, like, like people will ask them, what, what is it that you love so much about being high? It, it almost killed you. And they'll say it's like being wrapped in a warm blanket. Uh, I've heard that description many times. So I say this, look, heaven on earth. If you were in heaven wrapped in God's love, you are wrapped in a warm blanket for that time, and when you are brought out of that high, you are in hell. And now you've got to chase and go through all of this. And, and that is one of the most difficult things. You do not want people extending their time because the longer they are, the more addicted they are. It changes their brain. It changes everything, Absolutely. and it becomes more and more difficult to get them off of it. Uh, Brian? Sure. Um, the, uh, i just like to read a quote from a, a proponent of, uh, of the um, safe injection sites. Uh, this is from the Vancouver, former Vancouver mayor who, for, who, who fought for this in 2002. He was interviewed in 2014, and here's what he had to say. Quote, you just keep dumping money in, building social housing and filling it up with people from all around the region and the country. They all get chemically dependent, and it's just more sales for the drug dealers. And it, it's absolutely incredible. By the way, this is a labor show. This is a lot of our labor union members, Joe Krause, live in South Philadelphia. Okay. And you know, we're all family oriented people, and we're all committed to our communities. Um, I, I don't know if we said this on air, but I know we talked about it. Um, who. Uh, at what point didn't, didn't the the originator of the safe ha- injection houses in Vancouver he couldn't be in, 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 I guess uh, interviewed because he over OD'd right he died somebody had mentioned that and I don't know if I was talk- who I was talking to about that but I can tell you this um, you know this is a never ending type situation addiction is a horrible situation we you know in my opinion we should be fighting the addiction like you talked about you know you talked about the pill mills you talked about the doctor's offices though you got a great doctors out there but there's some people that are festering this particular habit and then when they're when they're done they're, they're going to the streets let's fight it on the front lines uh anthony um let's let we're going to get into in the next set you know before we before, you know the, the success you guys have had here in South Philly, which is incredibly admirable. 
you're not just doing this. You're, you're not done with this because there's potentially 22 alternative sites. Uh, and, and let these let the listeners understand that uh, some of them are in South Philly, and so you know, so this this area is by no means you know over this situation, and the community is committed to that particular situation. I agree. Uh, like I said uh, in our rally uh, last week, we won the battle, but the war is far from over. Okay, if we stop it in South Philadelphia, which I want done first, they're going to move this. They're going to try to put it in other communities, without a doubt. I am going to leave the state representative's name out of this. She reached out to me uh, from another district in Philadelphia and said to me, Anthony, we need your help. Will you come with me out to uh, uh, Port Richmond and uh, help me? And then I will uh, help you in your endeavors also. I am committed to the citizens of Philadelphia. My movement is committed to the citizens of Philadelphia, not just South Philadelphia. Wherever this tries to open, we will be there to shut it down. With the community standing behind me, the power in numbers, our voices will be heard, and we will not allow this to happen anywhere, in my opinion, in the city and county of Philadelphia. Anthony Giordano joining us here as part of a special radio panel on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Uh, His voice for 10,000 of his members stand up uh, for South Philadelphia Councilman David O uh, joining us as well. You heard Councilman O on the Rizzioli show uh, talking on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT uh, about his bill. And then, of course, Brian Fritz uh, joining us as well, uh, along with J-Doc, one segment to go uh, as we uh, get into uh, the commercial break. Uh, We'll be back and uh, try and put uh, some sort of closure on the radio program today, knowing, of course, uh, that that will not be the end. By the way, as we go to the break, this is one thing I don't understand. You may or may not have an answer. Why is Ed Rendell involved in this? Money. I I was actually going to, I, I mean, the pessimism that you have when you look at all this stuff as to especially with, I think Councilman O probably summed it up best, is that even though there might be some good, it's certainly not uh, outweighed by all the bad. Then why is there such a push? Obviously, your mind goes to one of pessimism. And you wonder, how, how do these things make money? How does, a sa- how does a safe house make money? Is there money to be had? I mean, you have no other choice when you're trying to wrap your head around this logically. Your, your thoughts go to a place of pessimism. And I was actually going to potentially, uh, if, if the councilman would, would let me, ask him that question as to how, how do these things get funded? Where does the money come from? Um, but maybe we can do it in the next well, segment. Hold your thought. We'll do that. We'll get into a commercial break. This is Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor back in a moment. Portions of tonight's edition of Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor are being sponsored by IOTC Local 8, District 1199C, and the Newspaper Guild. Today's program has been pre-recorded. The right-wing conservatives don't have to drive themselves crazy. They can walk there. <laughs> God bless you. And back here on Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor. It's a radio special on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. And of all, Jay Docty, and shows that we've done uh, in terms of level of importance, and each one has their own meaning within the union community and certainly their own meaning within the communities around the Delaware Valley, because as you so properly stated earlier in the show, uh, the union community is part of these communities. 
communities, part of the neighborhoods uh, which are being affected by this conversation uh, today. Brian and Councilman O, let me get you guys engaged. Brian, you had mentioned, uh, Brian being Brian Fritch, you had mentioned uh, going into the break a conversation or a question, some dialogue you wanted to have with the Councilman regarding costs. Let me let you do that. Sure. And uh, the one thing that, uh, you know, uh, over the course of time, you know, you hear this thing, nonprofit, nonprofit, nonprofit. Well, as long as the company doesn't doesn't show a profit at the end of the year, it's, it's a nonprofit. But, you know, the people that are involved in it can certainly be paid. And what I've been wondering in trying to explain this to myself uh, and reach some sort of logical conclusion um, as to the purpose and, and the, um, the motivation here, um, I've been wondering just how in the world Safe House uh, funds itself and what does the uh, board stand to gain um, by having these sites up and running. And I, I don't know whether or not Councilman O can show, shed any light on that from his experience and, and what he's learned over the course of uh, exploring this. Yeah, I'll say that I really don't know. Um, you know, we can look at models in Canada, Europe, things like that, but uh, this is the first time we are doing it in the United States of America. And, uh, you know, while there was a federal court decision kind of saying that um, – safe injection sites do not violate the Controlled Substances Act, that is on appeal. So we're not sure where that is going. And even uh, if what is done within the walls of Safe House is uh, medical treatment, it is still illegal to purchase and carry and, uh, you know, do all that stuff outside of, you know, the uh, safe injection site. Um, I do think that there are funding streams that are contemplated by the entity. They're a nonprofit. And as was mentioned, the amounts of money are extremely large. Um, we have proven ways of treating, successfully treating drug-addicted persons that are far more sustainable, cost-effective, would actually help a larger group of people. The idea of safe house seems to be, and what they're saying is, for everyone who isn't going in, who isn't going into like a, a, a program, a, a methadone clinic, something like that, that you have to capture them by letting them come in and do what they want. Don't discourage them. Don't harass them. Just make available that there's different types of treatments should you ever want it. And um, that really cuts against uh, pretty much best practices and what has been out there uh, in the past. And part of getting off of uh, heroin has been the difficulty in getting it, the challenges in getting it. You can't always get it. Uh, you know, the disappointments, um, all of those, what, what used to be termed hitting rock bottom, of which there seems to be no bottom to this, but hitting rock bottom, hitting rock bottom, and, and then people say, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm going to try to get myself together. But I would say this, that I believe there are people who are um, true believers in um, safe injection sites, uh, they believe the studies. Um, I mean, the theories are, you know, I get the theory. So, so they're actually testing heroin for fentanyl so that they're reducing, they're reducing, um, you know, overdoses. I get that's a theory, but there's like, well, like we've talked on the, on, on the uh, panel, uh, Council Mano, um, you know, th there's more harm potential than good and it's been proven by the statistics that brian have said yeah i'm, I'm gonna say this this and and i don't know this for sure but people have different experiences with the tragedy of heroin addiction and i think that there are a group of people who have personally lost a loved one 
who are wealthy enough and, and they have put their money into this with the desire to believe they're making a difference. And in their minds, if there was a safe inje- sure. injection a site, that last injection of heroin would not have killed their loved one. And uh, before we go, I do want to I want to I want to thank Brian Fritz for for hosting uh, our uh, our broadcast here at Fritz and Bianchi. Pat Bianchi, great friend of labor, one of our uh, labor attorneys, is Brian's partner, and and uh, Dana Ragney for helping us put this broadcast together um, and and introducing us to Anthony Giordano and the councilman. Of course, um, this is a, a groundbreaking show, and, and I cannot remember Joe Krause, and You're right; we've we've dealt with some incredibly passionate shows over the last month, life or death shows and this is no different uh anthony if you would um talk about um the next steps uh you know i mean you just were able to um and your community has been able to and there's been other nonprofits involved also uh, as i know uh, and other council people like uh, mark squilla and and kenyatta johnson also in, involved in the fight here uh you know against uh, putting anything together like this without community support um but What's the next step in regards to what you're hearing where the next uh, injection site may be proposed? Uh, because it, I, I'm anticipating the same thing. First, I'd like to say thank you to everyone for having me here personally. Also, uh, I want to send a special thanks to Councilman O, Councilman Squilla, and Councilman Kenyatta Johnson for working closely with me Absolutely. and uh, reaching out to me when I reach out to them. Uh, we've exchanged our own personal cell phones, so I know these guys are committed to work with our citizens, our group, and the city of Philadelphia. Sure, uh, Brian Fritz, you're you're uh, you know you're, you're standing up for the community here. Mm-hmm. Um, legally speaking, where does this go from here? Well, we're ready. We're ready. Um, once we have the clients, we're ready, and we're going to unleash um, if we need to. Uh, just like Anthony had said, you know, anywhere in the city, to make sure that that uh, the folks um, that want to enjoy their property, enjoy their lives, are not burdened. Uh, with this. And I would just add one thing. Uh, when you listen to Councilman O, Councilman Johnson, um, and uh, particularly Councilwoman Parker, if you um, haven't had an opportunity, Google her address to Council Chambers. And she succinctly captures so much in that. Um, I think through this, where we see each one of us being very, very different in appearance, and probably the division that we've probably all felt in the course of the past few years, be it media generated or whatever, that right now, there, this has been a unifying thing. Yeah. And the term crisis, in, depicted in Chinese, comes with two characters. One being danger, the other opportunity. And during this crisis, the opportunity here, as I see it, has been the unifying force between all walks, all races within this city for this common purpose of making sure that each and every one of us in each and every neighborhood is okay. And that unifying force may be the most positive thing that comes out of all this. And I agree with you also. And our hashtag is unite. And we would like to unite all communities, the African-American community I'm reaching out to, the Latino community, the Asian community. All communities stand as one, join hands, join hands with me, and I will take you, uh, hopefully, in a positive direction and close these sites down. Me is Anthony Giordano, and it's Stand Up uh, for uh, South uh, Philadelphia. Uh, thank you uh, so much, Brian. Thanks for bringing us up to the end of the show. That, that, that uh, prevented J-Doc from chiming in anymore before <laughs> uh, we said uh, goodbye. Uh, Councilman uh, David O, uh, thank you uh, for what you do. Uh, you're in a position uh, down at uh, City Hall to lead 
Uh, this is an example of you doing that. So I thank you to you, Brian Fritz. If you, uh, I'd like to ask you to provide your information for uh, listeners, for people of South Philadelphia, for those who don't know you or don't know what your plan is with this, at least put it out there and we'll include it in the show before I say goodbye. Sure. Uh, the, the law firm is Fritz and Bean Cooley. We're located at uh, 2701 South 16th Street. That's at the intersection of 16th and Oregon, as well as Center City in the Northeast. So we're very much involved involved in the community. We're very much involved with everybody. In fact, we uh, we just came up with the 1-800 number, 1-800-BY-BY-YOUR-YOUR-SIDE. Um, and uh, that's what we are. And um, the website is www.fbesq.com. The, our press release will be up there so everybody will have more information about it and what we intend to do. Well done. Well said. Nice job, Jay Doc, uh, uh, on the broadcast as well. Uh, Anthony Giordano, I hope I don't see you on the news anymore because when that is the case and I no longer see you, uh, you've done your job. Thank, Thank you, you very much for being here. That's going to do it for this special edition of Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor as we come to you uh, from down in South Philadelphia. Uh, on behalf of Councilman O, on behalf of Anthony Giordano, and of course our gracious host, uh, Brian Fritz, and my co-host, Jay Doc. I'm Joe Kraus. See you next time, everybody. Portions of tonight's edition of Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor have been sponsored by Sheet Metal Workers Local 19, CWA, Communications Workers of America, and AFSME Local 1739, DC 47. This program has been pre-recorded. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management.